Hey everybody, welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal Sloby. With me, of course, my good friend Turbo C. Hello. My good friend Jim. Hey everybody. My good friend Aaron Ronan. Hi everyone. My good friend Polo Hoko. Hey yeah. My good friend Devious Vacuum. Hello. I mean, the game's over. What are we doing here, exactly? <laughs> well, no, it's, it'll never be over. There's still more game. <laughs> the game. The game's over, but there is so much more to read. There's always <gasps> more games, Slow Beef. Yawn. Post-epilogue exposition. We're going to milk the shit out of this. These, uh, these guys didn't feel like stop, stop being uh, the writing process at all. <laughs> they just kept going. <laughs> it's a whole-ass other game here, you guys. Like, we played the game once. It's... Just an incredible amount of stuff. What? How are we feeling? How are we feeling about it? Revelation mode is really fun. I want to start with extra bad ending number 27, which I think it's, it's probably the, the most difficult thing to realize there is in this extra stuff, because you have to go to the ending string and, and notice that the extra ending there just appeared. Yeah, so I had that unlocked. I didn't know that that was well, until you said it, that it was a not one of the standard endings. Yeah, it's uh, it's basically a message from the developers. They read like um, the origins of this game, how it um, how they start developing it. But then it has an extra stuff where they explain the name, and I'm really curious about how they translated it into English because um, do you remember we talked about how the official English way to write the name in Japanese is that weird. Um, string of characters with hyphens. Like, it's like trying to phonetically say... Yeah, Ray, Jin, yeah. yeah, so what this explains um, is that this game's actual name has to be written in Katakana because it doesn't have an official English name. It has variations. And they did that hyphenated thing to make it clear that this is not specific words in English. So every ending has a different way to interpret what Raging Gurupu is. Oh. And none of them are the actual Raging Loop that we got as an English title. <laughs> because the Raging the raging goes with Loop uh, spelled L-O-U-P. So it's like Raging Wolf. And the Loop goes with Raising, R-A-I-S-I-N-G. Because you keep rising up. Yeah, so how they, they explained it in English was just like, hey, so you know how the the English name is Raging Loop? Well, actually, in the original language, it's like this. And it turns yeah. out that can have multiple meanings. So pretty much exactly what you said. One way to read it is in Chinese. And there's a couple... It, it's once again this also really liking wordplay that's clever but kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and like really getting into it. So they they showed you all, like the four different interpretations after each uh, credit sequence. Yeah. So. Yeah. They, they they had to change some of them in English, I think, because it was they're kind of Englishy. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So so this game actual name isn't Raging Loop. It's um, Raging Gurupu, which doesn't mean Raging Loop. Huh. I don't know if you've noticed it when. You launch a game from Steam, it says Raging Loop, but when you have it opened, yeah, and you hover over it, there's just katakana. There's no, it doesn't like other other things will say like you know like Discord or something like it that you have running, mm. but uh, Raging Loop does not say that. It, it only has the katakana, like the actual window title, like the yeah the actual window title. title. Yeah. Yep. yeah, I noticed that too. I kind of overlooked that. I chalked it up to I guess I guess laziness is a little unfair because that's that would be a pretty big miss, you know, but. It was it was just something that I kind of figured they left for some reason or another, you know. But yeah, whatever it's intentional now. Mm. 
That's interesting. I mean, Raging Loop in English doesn't exactly make a ton of sense, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not any worse than any of the other nonsense <laughs> yeah. video game titles you'll see anywhere. <laughs> I was, I, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, it's it's in good company, I guess. But, you know, Raging Loop kind of sounds like a Contra like or something, though. Yeah. <laughs> like right? Wrestling yeah. guys are going to be raging lo- through the loop. It sounds like a knockoff of Blazing Chrome. It was like we were already making a Contra like and Blazing Chrome took our thunder. So, OK, so now that we've done this, where should we go next? Because there's all sorts of stuff. Do we want to do the two extra endings in the main story? Yeah, since those are easy to talk oh, about. Well, you've, you've played them, right? I have played one of them. I am I'm currently playing through the other. <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll talk about the one that I uh, did finish playing, which was the uh, sort of the Haru slash God extra ending, which is yeah, right wh- before... Yeah, you ask Haru to marry you. <laughs> yeah. So you say, let's get hitched. And God just sort of laughs, ha ha ha. Uh, like, wait, what? And uh, Haruaki just goes into this thing about like, yeah, you know what? I, I, I'm I down down with this. I, I, I like this two for one package deal thing going on. Let's go for it. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, he and then uh, the God mentions that, like, you know, Tsuchi Gumi is is still pretty much a problem. And you could only figure out one way of doing that, which had uh well was was not in this loop basically i keep i keep hearing you say that as god like as if you're talking about like some judeo-christian like <laughs> yeah. seeing god was like wait what <laughs> you're doing yeah the, the father and son and all that and just Haruaki. what i didn't even see coming holy shit no anyway the important question is is this marriage legally recognized by the church right well no they just have to do it twice well the church of mugina yeah what, what this ending does make clear that the actual game, I think, only hints on is that Mujina knew the entire plan, the Rikako's entire plan, and he was going to go with it because uh, the spider promised him, like, when when they take over Japan, to like give give him that this mountain as a gift. So until the very end, Mujina wanted to go with the spider until Haruaki basically gave them autonomy. Yeah. So Haruaki basically reveals like, hey, uh, why in the world do you guys have this plan? Because it seems like the uh, the badger gets something out of this deal, but the spider doesn't get anything. And that's when he realizes, oh, because the badger is a powerful god. It just has no followers. So Haruaki comes busting in, dancing naked, I guess in some way to worship the, the badger. Um, and they basically blow Rikiko away with magical powers and destroy the spider and we get a very silly uh like sentai looking uh cg at the end <laughs> what i like about these two extra endings though is that Haruaki very um breaks the fourth wall in them and tells the reader that it's the next it's an extra scenario <laughs> yeah that that's my favorite part just so you know it's not canon yeah he, he specifically it was specifically after the batter says well you could only think of one s- scenario to win he's like yeah but now i'm in this bonus he calls it a bonus stage uh yeah in the english version and it's like yeah i just sort of want to play around with it now that i'm back in here yeah the, the second ending is where um uh, the monster appears and then the ship appears but uh Haruaki decided to go with Rikako and just join her ah so the world ends. Yeah, and we find out that 
the monster is Rikako. She turned into the monster, the big monster. Oh, wow. And sure. she has like her, her, her torso, her torso is like on top of it. Like just. Wait, it's oh, all what? legs and arms and then torso on top? She's yeah. up there? Wow. She's up there. Sounds really uncomfortable. So she grabs Haruaki with one of her tentacles and then they, it's like, um, well, they, they live happy, uh, happily ever after in like a hell Aww. world. Well, I mean, we, you know, with tentacles, yeah. it can work out. You know, yeah. I've seen videos. Yeah. Oh, wow. But the way, the way Haruaki gets rid of the ship in this one is that it turns out when they were dating, um, Mitsuji asked him to record her some sexy wake-up um, tones for alarm clock. Oh, no! <laughs> so he, 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 he does that routine with her, so she wakes up in the real world, so she can't interfere with the dream anymore. Mm. It's very silly. Oh, boy. I don't know why anyone likes this guy, to be honest. <laughs> Everybody likes this guy for some reason. Every, even Mitsuji still likes him. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, both endings are funny and they give you some nice CG, extra CG. Yeah. So if you didn't play them, then you should go there, you should go there at least to like fill up your, out your gallery. I liked him past tense. You know what I mean? Like, I liked him less and less as, like, the story went on, basically. Yeah, especially after it ended. I've only liked him less after the story's over. Yeah. The extra ending, the, the extra scenario with, with Mitsuji, I just, I just feel bad for her. So which, which extra, en- extra scenarios did you read out of the five? We read, well, we were supposed to look at the one with Rikiko and Kunosuke, and then the one with uh, Mitsuji. Yeah, but did, anyone, did any of you read any of the other ones? So I did read one about a bear, um, and yeah, I'll be honest, I skipped through most of it because that was probably the most boring read uh, in this entire game for me. That's, that's the Haruaki one. Haruaki, um, what's her name? Uh, Chiemi. Chiemi, yes. <laughs> I already forgot. Oh no, that one's boring. They go to Hokkaido and they have an encounter with with an ancient bear god. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's it's very silly. Uh, yeah, a lot of repetitious jokes. Those boring wolf gods. Yeah. No, I didn't have time to read any of the extra ones uh, any more than than that. But um... uh, let's let's start with the Rikako one though. So, did you play that? I liked that one. I thought it was cute. So you should talk about it. <laughs> Okay, I will. Well, well, folks. First, it just starts with like a recap of like what's been going on in Nosato's life, um, which we already kind of got. But like, basically, he um, is now living outside of uh, Fujiyoshi entirely. He's sort of he's sort of exiled, but it seems more of like an informal like ex- exile because he is in Yasumizu talking to Takumi, and Takumi's like, "You can come visit. Like, it'll be okay." <laughs> <laughs> and um, and he's like, bring your beautiful wife with you. And he's like, it's not. No, I'm supposed to take care of her. It's not. It's not. And Takumi's like, look, dude, I get it. <laughs> and so they move to a um, 
suspiciously cheap haunted mansion uh, somewhere yeah. else and um, they get a great yeah they get a great deal on it a lot of this is uh, Kinosuke reflecting on like how privileged he is and like how well his life has worked out how like everything that he's wanted he's only ever wanted things that were easily accessible to him and like he he but he also still like He's like he's the he's still the Nosato blockhead. Like he's still like not as well respected as his brother, who's now the head of Kami Fujiyoshi. Um, and so he, I don't know. I I feel like he he all of his blockheadedness from the main the main game is like kind of done. Like you know because he was his whole thing was like he was not compassionate and he was like too brash and stuff like that he doesn't exhibit any of that in this um no. he's very patient and kind and he's changed like he, he mentions it at one point that like you know like hey i'm that i'm still that same old blockhead but the fact that he can acknowledge that he's a blockhead means he's not you know nearly self-important and all that kind of stuff yeah he's been humbled a lot and um and that's good for him and so he is taking care of rikiko who is depressed <laughs> Yeah, she, <laughs> she, she doesn't go out of her room, basically. <laughs> she stays in her room all day. She really is just depressed. She just watches, like, nature shows and kids shows, which is like, yeah, yeah, that's what you do when you're just depressed. You sit and you can't get out of bed. Yeah, I need snacks. Doesn't bathe. Just is depressed. And um, so he's just, you know, he's just, she's just in his house. And, um, you know, he, he, like, gets, he gets a job in this town and everything. And he's, like, setting stuff up. And um, it comes down to uh, the, well, like, he's, like, set up. He's, like, a, a maid's going to start coming. And he's, like, worried. Like, he's, like, oh, is, you know, am I going to have to, is this how she's going to be, like, forever or is she gonna ever like kind of start to recover at all um it's unclear how much time it has been but i don't think it's been very much time for like your whole life to have been unraveled like i think it'll take more than a few months to get over well i mean to be fair you can't really there's not really therapy for that kind of shit you know yeah her god got eaten surviving a literal game of werewolf yeah yeah Yeah. and she and she keeps like like being like well Essentially being like, well, like, I lost and now you own me. Don't you want to fuck me? And he's like, <laughs> like, no, <laughs> like, that's too embarrassing. And um, so that's funny, I guess, if you're into that sort of thing. And um, uh, but he's, you know, wants her to get better. And she just like, it slowly comes around to sort of seeing the world that way again. And like, like more and more normal. Um, and so she, see, after, after a while, she just get like, she just like can't stand it anymore. I guess she's like, I, um, I'm, I'm tired of, uh, like she's bored with just watching TV all day. Oh, he also describes how Chiemi came to visit her and Chiemi like was just there to rub it in. Like, Chiemi was just there to be like, like, you lost. <laughs> like, I won. Rocky doesn't love you. Yeah. The best is, like, yeah. at one point, Chiemi's just like, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll do something to help you. And Rikako's like, uh, you don't have to help me, you know? And I can do it on my own. And Chiemi's like, oh, you're a loser. You don't have to make a choice here. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I'll buy you some clothes. I'll buy her some clothes for you, Nasato. And then she comes back and brings, like, a sexy maid outfit and, like, a bunch of shit like that. <laughs> oh man and um they also talk about how um 
Uh, Rikiko was questioned after the event for like a, of like a long time um, at the at the sheep the sheep institute the the whatever <laughs> the Jinx Institute the church yeah. the church academia. Well, uh, there's a lot of factions, <laughs> as we're going to learn later. Yeah, they really are. It's freaking bloodborne over here. So that <laughs> happened. So they're like, "Oh, she must be pretty safe." And so you know, that's so all that stuff. Is, so it's so all like this, you know, some amount of time has passed, and um, and she uh sees she starts to like either like hallucinate or like in. Or like envision like her own her own power her own self um, instead of seeing the um, Suchigomo, uh she sees like this adorable little pink Kirby spider like this yeah. like little baby spider and uh, that is a representation of like her power um, like her own power separate from the spider and she is like she like remembers kind of like oh like I used to. You know, when I wasn't just this horrible spider god, like who was I? Like, could I even exist outside of that? Like, who was who was Rikiko just living for Rikiko? Like, what what did she want? And she was like, oh, you know, I think that person used to want to like be loved, like wanted to fall in love, like for real. And um, so, seeing seeing the little baby spider inspires her to uh, like take a shower. And go downstairs, <laughs> and um, and Nosato is like stunned by this. Uh, oh, and she's while she's taking a shower, she wants to shave her her hair off of her body. She wants to shave her underarms, and she there's no razors because he took all the razors away. Aww. God Aww. bless him. And um, and so she says like I need I need razors, and he was like oh, I'll you know I'll have the maid get some safety razors, and she's like I don't like I don't want the maid here. And he's like, oh, well, what, what are we supposed to do? And, and she, he, she's like, I want you to go get them. And also, it's going to be that time of the month soon, so I need you to get pads. I need you to go, and I need you to go buy all the most embarrassing things that it is for a man <laughs> to have to buy for his girlfriend all at the same time. And, <laughs> and he can't handle it. Um, and he's very embarrassed, but of course he's going to do it. But he tries to get out of doing it. Um, and then finally he leaves. And while he's gone, she like looks at some books. She she steals some of his porn comics. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then reads a book about nursing. Like so she picks up like a nursing for dummies book or something like that. And um, she's like hanging out. And uh, and then she hears a, a little boy crying outside. She goes to see what the deal is, and, and there's a little boy, and he tells her this story that this house is haunted, and then she's like, oh, that explains why it's so inexpensive <laughs> to live here. Um, <laughs> but the house is haunted, and, and or the kids think it's haunted, and so like his friend like dared him to come up here or something like that, and then he starts to talk to her more, and he's like, my parents are going to get divorced, and tells her, you know, his whole life story, uh, that he feels bad that he's being forced, he feels like he's being forced to choose between them, and she starts giving him some advice and then she realizes that she sees these like little red strings all over him and uh, and she sees that little spider and so that little spider makes a little red spider web around people and when she touches the, the strings she sort of like can see and know things about the, that person and their relationships so she takes the strings and like ties them together um, and to like represent the, the parents 
relationship. And maybe that'll work. I don't know. But, man, in a twist, the boy uh, is like, thanks for all your help. And then he runs away and it falls down a well immediately and dies. <laughs> um, because he's a ghost. <laughs> he was a ghost all along. <laughs> he was a ghost all along. Are, are there enough <laughs> twists? Enough twists for you? Can we put f- a few more in there for you? And Nosato, fucking Nosato comes back and she's like, there's a, a boy fell down the well and died. And he's like, holy shit. And he like j- goes down the well and gets the boy's body and tries to resuscitate him and all this stuff. And somehow like the heart stops like way too fast. And he's like, how does it start so f- stop so fast and she's like oh wait a second there's a ghost right over here hold on a second yeah. and like there's just the ghost of the boy with his two like ghost parents bringing them yeah. into the afterlife because now he's she's restored those links and the body immediately decays into an adult skeleton yeah. <laughs> it's like he, he fell into the well but they never found him so he could never go to the afterlife um, yeah. like they committed suicide or something afterwards so they call the cops, and the cops are like, "Oh, this was a cold case." And they, they do, they they're like, "Oh, well, this is a, this. You found the skeleton, so the crime is solved now. Thank you." And um, so I guess that sets up Rikiko for like what her capacity and like what her life will look like after this. Like now she's sort of got like a she's uh you know sort of a Ghost medium. Whisper. She's yeah, she's a ghost whisperer married to a doctor. <laughs> and um oh, and then they come back in and she like explains it more about what happened and um and she's like it's not but it's not like I like like you were almost cool back when you were helping that dead kid, <laughs> but uh you know, but it's not like I like you or anything. I still don't like you. I'm <laughs> oh, still going to bully you, especially you. I enjoy bullying especially you. <laughs> uh it's a, it's a wacky uh, romantic comedy they're setting up here. <laughs> Tuesdays on CBS. Yeah. <laughs> so they're probably going to fall in love. But I, I, I like this story. I mean, I think, I think it's a nice, like, redemption story. For it's, yeah. it's good to know what the villain will be doing afterwards and redeeming <laughs> themselves in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't get to see what happens when the mastermind plan fails that often. Yeah. Hey, dude. Danganronpa... All of them, actually. I love that she doesn't just die. But, you know, that was like a, a neat, like, sort of compassionate thing of, like, you know, that she has another chance at life as just Rikako and not possessed Rikako. Like, it is kind of nice to see, like, what happens to somebody when you have, like, this giant god stand and this evil master plane and then you have to just go be a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, too, because I think one of the things that starts her healing is that she realizes she's annoyed at something like and she's like wait I can feel annoyance like everything before this was just me sort of drawing from the the spider god or whatever and me just you know being sort of subservient to this ideal and now I can feel things on my own and she's like well I guess I can probably feel other things too and that's that's what sort of sets her off like wait I'm, I'm a person I don't have to lay my eggs into people that's great <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mean, honestly, that does sound a lot like getting out of depression, like dealing, getting over some depression symptoms where yeah. it's like, oh, I thought my emotions were turned off, but they're turned back on again. What's this? Uh, so, yeah, so they're, they're, you know, they're happy together. Good for, good for them. It was cute. I'm, I'm glad for them. Yeah, it was a very cute story. Um, 
The other two, before we get to the Mako stuff, are um, the one about Haru and Mochi um, basically getting lost in the woods and finding um, a strange uh, inn. It's the same one that Haruaki was at um, like two days before the game started. The one we got, we got a, cl- a glimpse of in the final uh, route. Um, and turns out it's a haunted inn. Um, Hell yeah. It, yeah. Of course. It has ghosts running it and basically trying to kill people who, li- who, who come to stay there. And it's very, very wacky until it's not. And it, um, in the middle of it, it goes into very tragic stuff about no. Haru's past. Yeah. <laughs> on. Um, and one, the other one is uh, about uh, Hisako and um, what's his name? Yasunaga. Uh, Yasunaga comes to Tokyo to go look for colleges and they get involved in some kind of wacky haunted train situation. <laughs> it's not very interesting. Oh no. They all have something to do with haunting. Really? I mean, all, all of these. There's a haunted train, there's this haunted inn, there's we have the haunted uh, oh, yeah. house. Uh, in, a haunted bear. In... Yeah. <laughs> a haunted child. Uh, before we get into the Mitsuji Mako stuff, there was one uh, specific section that I read while doing the uh, Revelation Mode stuff that I wanted to call out because it was actually just very well written and very funny. Uh, and it's when Mako was getting told that she was the badger. Uh, because the ye old Japanese person comes up and starts talking to a child in a language she doesn't <laughs> understand. And noticeably at the end, he's just like, so do you understand? She's like, N- no. He's like, all right, shit. Uh, and it, so the other wolves just start arguing with each other. Like, I, I knew this was stupid. Why do we even have children in this game? We should have gotten rid of all the kids. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's That's true, though. That's right. Um, and then, so he, he starts explaining it in, in normal, understandable language and just got, okay. So there's, there's three good wolves like, oh, like F- Fusayuki like, no, wait, wh- who the fuck even is that? What? Wait, no, I can't. He's not, he's not it. I can't tell you. Uh, okay. Well, how about GNA? Okay. No, you don't get this. I can't tell you who they are. <laughs> And it is very funny bickering between these three men trying to convince a child to murder their, <laughs> their friends. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. It's amazing that any of this has lasted this long. It's amazing that it could all be held together this long. There are also some hints to the, the stuff that we're about to cover in this next stuff with the cattle and all that. Before we actually get to this story, if you do read Revelations mode, um, you get a lot of more Mako stuff in it. Uh, the, f- the first time you see anything strange is at the very end of the first route when they are, when Chiemi disintegrated. And then Haruaki drops Mako and she's like pulled into the, the mist. And then we get a, a little extra scene with her and she suddenly has this like abstract image of a black uh, goat uh, over her. Um, and she's acting like she's going to kill the, the wolves. <gasps> uh, and then at the very end, um, we find out that Mako uh, followed Chiemi uh, and the rest uh, into the church. 
and we find out that she's the one who actually somehow got rid of the spider when there was a blackout. Oh, yeah. Huh. Yeah, we, we, we see this happening. Munch, munch. She eats it, and she, afterwards she's like, oh, I'm so full. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we read the fifth um, story about Mitsuji. And who wants to talk about that? This one is where I... I didn't take notes this time, in case you all couldn't tell. Uh, and uh, this is the part where I was like, good, I'm not writing this down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very confusing, and a lot of things are, are very vague. There's a lot of stuff that's kind of just alluded to. There's, there's like a lot of stuff here that kind of seems like it belongs in another story, right? Yeah, it's almost like it's setting it up for a different game. Yeah. It's, it's also such an info dump. Like, the beginning... I mean, to set it up, basically what it is, is it's uh, uh, Mitsugi is is going back and giving a report to her superiors in an organization that is apparently, the organization she works for is apparently called the church. Although she isn't really a full member of it because she's part of someone that the church is hunting. But mm-hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. So this report is, just, it starts off with just tons of information being dumped on top of you. Because um, she doesn't want to do the report and her bosses is like, hey, we... We want you to do this report. Yeah, turned out <laughs> she, she did have to do an expense report after all of this. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we won't go through every little detail, but the baseline is it kind of sets up the story for the world that this takes place in, where there are people who have powers that are called jinxes, and you get these powers, the game tells us, by being deviants from society or distancing yourself from normal society. So, basically, if you're fucked up enough, you get a superpower. Maybe. Yeah, right. it's sort of in line with the theme that Haraki sort of touches on, which is, like, it's it's real if you believe in it, and it's this mm-hmm. idea that, like, maybe, like, and they even say, like, maybe, like, physics exists because of early early humans like conceptualized it and like them them conceptualizing is what brought it into being rather than like like that the that human intentionality dictates reality instead of the other way around um so that's that's basically the underlying assumption of this entire organization mm-hmm. yeah that newtonian physics exists because isaac newton was <laughs> fucked up and he just created it magically <laughs> he was never the same after that apple hit him yeah and the church is just one of several organizations that deal with these um, supernatural things. It's too much. It's too, there's too many factions. I don't care. Right. And then there's also this facility which was uh, created to make these jinxes. And they split people into like three categories that are either successes, failures, or ideals. And it's it's the farm, and that's where the word cattle comes from. Right, it's the farm. There's a lot of like symbolic imagery going on here. But basically, Mitsuji, her power is that she's the sheep, and she has the power to basically put people into a dreamlike state. And she was kind of categorized as like a a success there's very few people who are categorized as success but even though they're successes they're it's kind of like this this uh facility is made to create people that can help when the end of the world comes and she helps when the end of the world comes by putting people in dreams so that they don't have to like look at the end of the world it's like euthanasia and like how her power works in this in the context of the story, like how she's affecting the looping is basically if the the underlying assumption of this group 
is that if you believe in something enough that it becomes real, then she basically like, convinces the everyone in the dream that, or and sp- sp- specifically the dreamer, that something is real and then it becomes real. Like she talks a lot about like swapping out yeah. realities for for people. They do kind of explain her kind of practical power of being able to make a base somewhere uh, and make the convenience store where, where whatever could conceivably be in the back, whatever could conceivably be back there is back there. But like, she couldn't go too crazy with it. Like she couldn't bring out anything that they, well, that, that that's not right. This has to be a dream. But a bulletproof vest, that's totally fine. Yeah, it's just in the back. Okay. Just making sure. Got it. Okay. I think Haraki was kind of aware of this and believing it on purpose as well uh, in some respects. I don't know. It's it's all very vague. It's it's all just sort of hand wavy and in because we're already operating in like this very abstract realm yeah. of of what the powers are. It's just it's so philosophical and like so out of nowhere and so intense. Like it's so intensely powerful of a thing to be talking about like in terms of like manipulating reality and like belief and all this kind of stuff and it's just a it's a very intense interpretation of a theme that was only sort of present in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like they saved all the world building for a little chapter, bonus chapter at the end. <laughs> yeah. And they even have this kind of aside where they're talking about, well, Mitsuji could use her dream power to give everybody in the world like this unified, blissful, ideal dream where everybody unites or they show each individual person their own ideal dream and they can achieve world peace that way. But then they go into the logistics of it of saying, well, you can't reach that far, so it's just not practical. It sort of hits the the sort of visual novel problem that consistently happens where they need to over-explain something that just the audience had no problem believing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's too much almost. It's too much. And, like, it kind of cheapens, like, in a way, what Rikiko did. Like, it sort of cheapens that whole thing. Like, because it's like, oh, she's just, like, just another jinx. And, like, maybe Haraki's a jinx and maybe Chiami's a jinx. And it's like, well, hold on a minute. Like, I, you know, what if, like, the it sort of takes out the sort of, like, these aren't normal people. Like, you know, these aren't, this isn't a regular person. These are, this, these are all like special people under special circumstances, blah, blah, blah. And that it was kind of like, oh, like this is, this wasn't special. Jinx is just a term in this universe for any kind of supernatural thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the church is trying to, control or cull, certainly cull a lot of the jinxes. It seems there was a lot that were manufactured as the quote-unquote cattle uh, and they wanted to cull the failed ones? In the pasture projects? The pasture project? The pa- yeah, yeah. It's, it's very like, it's very 1984, like, she's a sheep other people are cattle there's, mm. there's wolves as we'll find out there's the sheepdog and there's a sheepdog that's supposed to once you're supposed to scatter once once the wolves arrive, and later on the sheepdog is supposed to get everybody back together. Apparently, the the sheepdog in this case has turned and has betrayed them to the church. She is one of apparently several of the people, the I guess the cattle, though she's a sheep that uh, is in hiding within the church. 
So they know she's a jinx. They just don't, like I said before, like she's got power, but they don't know how powerful she is. Um, and her boss knows that who she is, um, but is not going to expose her. Her boss is working for an organization within an organization that is against exposing these people. And her boss is also a ghost. They send her on missions. I mean, yeah. this entire thing was a mission. She didn't just show up there. And apparently the, according to her, the uh, running into Haruaki was a coincidence, but it's some kind of pre, like, it's the odds are you're going to do this if you are a jinx. You're going to run into other people who are jinxes, and chances are that he is also a jinx or becoming one. So, I don't sure. know. It, gets, it really gets, it goes too far. But also, there's an entire thing, an entire thing there with, like, it has nothing to do with the jinx stuff, but just Mitsuji like wrestling with her sexuality or something. Oh yeah, yeah her like gender yeah. and sexuality. Mitsuji is cool as hell. First of all, just <laughs> yeah. I'm just putting this out on the table. Mitsuji extremely cool. Um, she does talk about being like sort of. Um, Almost like I, a, an unfavorable interpretation would be that Mitsuji was kind of like a butch lesbian like, until Haraki, which is mm. really gross. Um, mm. I think Mitsuji is more just you know pansexual and gender fluid sort of has interpretation of herself, or at least un, like uncomfortable with her femininity in a way. Um, yeah. So in the uh, like specific words that she says was like. If she was asked, she would say that she was wish she was born a man and that her uh, sexual preferences tend to lean that way, too. Meaning straight man. That's why the sheep sounds like a guy and he smokes. E- yes. And and she also in Japanese, she uses the um, word ore to refer to herself, which is a very masculine um, first person pronoun. But as as Divac said before, through the the magic of of Haruaki, she started to feel more feminine, feminine, which is like uh before Haruaki, after Haruaki. Mm. Haruaki fucks everything up. Is I think what right? That- she can turn into a sheep and mess with people's dreams. So I feel like if there, if like who who else would be more fluid than someone who can do that? Right? Yeah. Wait, you know what it is? It's like, you know, I feel like maybe I was born a man. Then you meet Haruaki, and it's like, but I don't want to be anything like that Tough one. No. <laughs> she has been with him for two years, though. Two years, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, like, weighs heavily. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, my sure? Because God, he I, sucks. But. Th- they broke up and fought because she bought black sesame pudding and he ate it. That was yep. it. That was why yes. they broke up. <laughs> oh, boy. I ate the black sesame pudding that you had in the icebox. box. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last straw. I thought all these other things were the last straw. No, I, I, don't, I, I like interpreting it as that's not even the last straw. It was that was it. That was the one and done. Yeah. <laughs> that was the that was the threshold. The entire thing about how both of them really like eating strange foods and go seeking it. You know, it kind of speaks to her character that she broke up with Haraki and didn't put him in like a fucked up nightmare as like a gotcha. Yeah, she's she's honorable that way. But it was it was a violent breakup, though. Coming to Haruaki, she did throw <laughs> things at him. I, maybe that wouldn't have to do with the relationship, though. Like, maybe he does deserve that. I, oh, I mean, definitely he deserves that. The facts that. are building up that he does, in fact, deserve that. But she's like, I don't want you to think this has to do with the breakup, but I have been waiting to hit you in the head with things <laughs> for a while. It also sort of sets up Mitsuji as like a just. 
infinitely more interesting character than Haraki. Just, just so dramatically interesting. So much more interesting this, than this entire game. <laughs> I feel like Haruaki could have been interesting. Like, they were building things up and, like, mystery around him. Like, who is he really? And all this stuff. And then they just kind of goes nowhere. And he's just like, nah, he's just nasty. Well, they do have the little fart at the end of this extra story where it's like, well, maybe he's a jinx. Maybe he'll become a jinx. Who knows? He's a detective-type jinx. Is Mitsuji in this other game? Um, I don't... I don't think so. Uh, her boss is, though. The mysterious oh, okay. boss that she, that she talks to. Uh, starring Mitsuji's boss. Wow. <laughs> I know, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the boss is never named. Like, she's just sort of there, like, sort of provoking her to, to, to examine this. We don't even know anything about her, except she is apparently very young looking. If she's not an exact copy of Mitsuji, then I don't really care. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's like a ghost, is the interpretation I got. That she's like a white light or like oh, a ghost. Yeah, yeah. And she, like, made Mitsuji-type stuff. Well, she's got a corporal form because she puts her hands on top of her from behind. She's creepy. And starts making her type. Yeah, she has, like, a little go- a ghost moment where she's like, here, I'll type the report for you. Okay. Uh, and then we find out that Meiko is also, is also from that, that farm. and Right. But she's a failure. Yeah, when, when the wolves came, she just ran away and got lost. And she's also apparently the black goat. Yeah, she is the black goat. She was considered the feather, but it turns out that she was the most powerful one of all. Because she can, what they call these, these beings that, that have the potential, I guess, to become jinxes or demonosities. De- de- it's some diabolic, diabolicity. Yeah, that's what it is diabolicity. Yeah, and then they go off into this other thing where it's like, well, if you become too deviated as a human, then you become a demon. And it's like, how many layers of this do you want? <laughs> well, let me tell you, yeah, th- these are all references to another game that you didn't get to play in English. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a tabletop setting to me, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I bet it would be an interesting tabletop setting. So, um, let me talk a little bit about the Chemco Adventure series uh, that we only got Raging Loop in English. Um but there are five other games that Kemco published. Uh, all of them were um, smartphone games to start with. Um, most of them are like very standard uh, death game stories. Uh, the Danganronpa kind where like you get a group of people who are kidnapped and told to kill each other. And uh, that's what the story is about. Um, but then the um, third game that they published was a game called uh, DMLC, or Death Match Love Comedy. Uh, and <laughs> I like it already. <laughs> the premise, if I can summarize the premise in one sentence, is that you have this guy who is a freshman in high school, and he finds out that if uh, a girl confesses her love to him, he explodes and dies. <laughs> That's great. So there's been a remake announced for the PS4 for this game. Oh, it came out. It, it's not as much a remake as it's like they, they redrew the sprites, but it's still a very cheap game. Uh, it has no voices. It has very it, uh, like very few sprites and graphics in, in general. Um, and um, I'm going to talk about this game a little bit more, but Raging Loop, which came after this game, is kind of a sister game. They take place in the same universe. Um, 
And Oh, that's his jinx. He just has a really shitty jinx. And Mako is a character in the in this other game. Which takes place like ten years later, so she's sixteen mm. in this game. Mm-hmm. Um so, Raging Loop, basically, the entire Mako thing is a reference to that game, um, and uh, which is fine. The, my only problem with it is that they make they make they made Mako the Deus Ex Machina in Raging Loop. She solves the yeah. problem basically, but we don't get to find out anything about it except in that extra short story, which tells you basically to go read the, this entire other game. Uh, now, these two games are very different for each other. The, 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 it's, it's not a sequel. Raging Loop isn't a sequel or a prequel. They're very different stories. The tone is very different. Um, and uh, the MLC, which, by the way, I've been playing for the last month. <laughs> and I'm almost done with it. I'm like, um, I'm in the final stretch of it. Uh, it's the kind of game where the, the first half of it is extremely silly. Um it's very much like a broad comedy uh, with extreme characters. Like every character is extreme in some way. They like basically, there's a lot of slapstick comedy happening. So I'm looking at this screenshot and there's this cat that looks like a grenade. Yeah, there's this cat that looks like a grenade, which is... Um, <laughs> oh, the mascot. The mascot, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's got a Garfield too, but it, it it turns out to be an interesting take on on the on the desk game mascot, by the way. But uh, and, and anyway, the, the, first, the first half of this game is very much played for laughs. Um, all of the character, all of the dialogue is very much jokey. Uh, the, car- the, the the dialogue sounds like they're in a in a manzai, um, in like in a Japanese stand up comedy um, act. They just play with each other. Um, this game starts with a conversation between the protagonist and his friend about boobs. Yeah. So you know exactly the tone. I mean, is it a good conversation? Is it like interesting? Or is it- They're trying to decide whether the best way to um, describe boobs is as fruits or as bumps. That seems like about right. Wait, as bugs or bumps? I'm bumps, sorry. Bumps, bumps. You know, like. Oh, bumps, okay. Oh, like the bugs, that's kind. real. I mean, I, I'm just saying that's creative. Anyway, sorry. And then midway through, um, once you start getting the twists, it turns out in the, the sort of story where like, every character has a very dark background and goes into some very dark places. A Doki Doki Literature Club could never. Yeah, v- very much like it. It's um, lots of very serious like depression sub-stories in there. Um, oh my god, it is Doki Doki Literature Club. Yeah. yeah. But and, and also the entire Jinx stuff is uh, this story is about 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 the Jinx stuff. It's explained thoroughly and um, and you get to see Mako and they, they kind of like uh, turns out that Mako can she's she's called Mia in this um, in this game. Uh, her actual power is that she devours other people's Jinx and then she can use use them herself and when she does it she like um summons an alternate like mega man yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but she also that summons rules. mako man <laughs> mega mako <laughs> or rock mako in japan sorry yeah her personality changes to like the the the, the one who she stole the jinx from so she has another mm, persona person- yeah she has another personality in this one called matsurika which is a Nikako Matsu, uh, Uematsu, 
Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't plan it out, by the way. He, after that, he wrote Raging Loop and he just he came up with the name Reiko uh, Uematsu uh, to, to fit the previous game. Oh, wow. So it, it, it wasn't planned out. That's fun. Yeah, the only problem is if you play Raging Loop first, then the revelation that this character Mia has powers is a twist in the middle of the game. <laughs> and if you played Raging Loop before that, then you know it and you're not surprised. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, for that guy's power, it sounds like he would want to have his Jake's eaten so that he doesn't explode. So, yep. interesting right. twist. Anyway, I'm not sure if this game is ever going to come out in English. What a shitty power. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, for sure. That's, like, that, uh, that that's what Dr. Wily should do. Sorry. Oh, make a robot whose power is bad. Oh, yeah, make a, <laughs> yeah, make a robot whose power is being weak and horrible. <laughs> the problem is the problem is that the, um, he explodes and then usually also kills several other people along with him because they were around. Jeez. And <laughs> there's, there's a version of the hint ship in this one uh, that comes up there every time you die and they give like a, casu- a casualty report. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun! Okay, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. You took out uh, this person. Oh my god! Hey, here's here's tomorrow's headline. You said this is ported on PS4 in English. No, it's not in English at all. I'm not sure if it's come out in English. It's it's also a very difficult localization because once again, this author really loves his word wordplay. Uh-huh. Um, it's like plot relevant wordplay, uh-huh. not 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 just things you can just change. Well, get to it, Oren. <laughs> <laughs> Your magnum opus. They could put the team that worked on Raging Loop on it. They're great. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> but it's a, it's a fun game, and the entire Mako thing is, is entirely about this other game and not about Raging Loop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't have that... Without that context, it's just like, oh my god, what is what is this? Why should I care about any of this? Yeah. I, I wouldn't have any problem with it, because Mako is a fun character, but... They did make her the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, that you doesn't that you that you found find out about if you play the extra stuff. You don't even realize that if you just play the main game. Mm-hmm. I still think it's cool that her power is that she can eat gods. I think that's cool. That's pretty cool. And like they kind of allude to it in that scene where um, Haraki brings her all that food and she just gobbles it down. <laughs> yeah, and it does feel like I mean it feels like in that moment the Hershey Corporation is like a god. In that moment, um, it, it feels like there are lots of like alternatives. Like there, they could have like there are other ways they could have, you know, written that the spider was defeated. So it doesn't feel like too much of like a, it. Just feels like oh, I, instead of all the other ways that I could write, like and now the spider's defeated. I'm gonna put Mako in there as as a reference to this other game. And I mean, in in uh, Danganronpa, there's one. Uh, scene that always calls back to me is like when they're trying to explain like the the mind control or whatever it's like does it really fucking matter yeah (laughs) it's It's like how did you do all this who cares i just did it shut up yeah like that is always gonna be the best explanation so yeah and and that's pretty much how i felt with how did the the spider go like i don't know i don't really care it's gone they left for no reason the thing is that that the entire plot with the church and the, and the factions is very much relevant in the other game. It's part of the actual story of that game. So. It's an interesting concept, but it's just dumped at you all at once in a little side story 
for a game that I can't play, and I think that that's mean, Raging Lou. <laughs> really, everything should be in one language. Languages are bullshit. No, the, the really cruel thing is that in one in one of the um, extra kinship scenes, they tell you if you want to know more, then go play that other game. In English, <laughs> they tell you that. Do they not even tell you what the name of the game is? They don't. Oh yeah, they don't. They're just like, hey, there's another game that maybe you'll play at some point. Yeah, go play that game. It's like, you asshole. <laughs> it's like the game has been so nice up to this point. It's like, what the fuck is wrong? Who shit on your Oreos? Who shit on your Oreos? Oh, wow. That's the, that's the name of this episode. That's <laughs> They do reference one other game by name in here, though. So, if you want to know more about it, go play Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, finally learned the secret between uh, b- behind Haraki Fusaishi's fashion choices. Bringing it back to episode one. Damn right. No, oh my god, it's a loop. You did it. Happy birthday, Jim. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, so we're back. We're back at the beginning. Is there any mm-hmm. other? Uh, are there any other scenes that anybody looked at in Revelation mode that you want to particularly highlight that was interesting? While we're on the topic of this other game, uh, I, I will mention that there's a Revelation mode that's like why uh, Mako is now called Mia, and that's because she's like, all right. Um, how do I, how do I told her that? How do I told, told her to act more like a cat than um, a sheep? Because people like cats more? Yeah, so she starts saying Mia. And that turns into Mia. So she, yeah, so she starts saying Mia Mia, and then she realizes Mia is a nice name. And uh, one thing we didn't talk about that's in uh, for Revelation mode that we have, that Oren alluded to in uh, previously, maybe on recording, maybe not, but uh, the scene where Haraki and Mitsuji uh, first meet each other in the in the convenience store, and how they both like freak out at each other, and uh, it shows like that they. They both, like, she's like, oh, what do I do? And he's like, oh, what do I do? And he's like, I'll just pretend like I don't know her. And then she's like, he's just pretending like he doesn't know me. And so I'll pretend like I don't know him either. (laughs) And then they both just do that and escalate it. And that's it. Um, That's that's all that it is. And they keep doing it for many, many loops. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's true. And at one point, we find out how many times... That um, Rikiko was looping. Apparently, it was like 176,000 times. Yeah. You said that's like 400 years. Yeah. Although, that's just an estimate. If it took a second each time, apparently it's outside of time, which is mm-hmm. why she's able to do it. But yeah. One more thing in the first route is that um, the corruption that Rikiko got, where she became like a zombie, uh, that's yeah. because they... Um, Instead of just killing her, they uh, injected her with one of the rabid dog's uh, blood. Oh. So she's, she's oh. rabid in that. I'll knock. That's knock it off, Raging Loop. That's dumb. <laughs> uh. and, she, and she was expecting them to kill her. But then she woke up in the morning and she found out that no, she, they didn't say. She has rabies instead. There's a couple times where, uh, if you're looking at in, in Revelations mode, they the uh, Miguruma or whatever the family is that's that's monitoring all of this has like notes at the end of each day of 
of if someone did anything special or who investigated what and so on and so forth. And there are a lot of interesting notes, like when Chiemi kills herself at the end of day one on the thir- first loop, they're like, uh, we're going to just call this a single death, but we might want to investigate that as part of the rules. If people start abusing that. I like <laughs> G- game master notes. Yeah. Yeah. If people start abusing killing themselves, we're, we might have to look at the rules. Uh, yeah, the, the entire the scenes where um, you get to see what the uh, wolves in the first and second routes did every night, those are interesting. Yeah, and it's pretty easy to skip. I mean, you can just you can just skip right along between all of the revelation scenes. Basically, revelation mode is like the upside down castle of this game. Sure, a whole a whole entire other game. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're killing the Castlevania nerd in me, but sure, yeah. Ooh, normal guy slow beef is like, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, normal guy slow beef. So yeah, so Raging Loop. Now we know Now we know some more information about the the characters in the setting. Has Has any of it changed your your opinion? I still really liked this game. I liked it better when I didn't know. <laughs> Honestly, I'm okay with that extra ending about like the church and the sheep and jinxes and that kind of stuff because it gave me too much information but I only paid attention to some of it so <laughs> it works out it it was fun it was a bit long winded like it took me a while to get invested into that yeah I think the narrative could have been tighter or if you were going to if you were going to do more you know if you, if you wanted to do a lot more world building like I said before you could have involved that in at least you know, story beats and conversation and so much is done in asides that doesn't really need to be there. Well, this is kind of a problem through the whole game, honestly. Info dumps. Yeah, well, that's what I'm talking about. Like, the game does way too much building outside of conversation and outside of action, which I think that, you know, incorporating that would have made mm-hmm. it flow better. I still enjoyed the game. I mean, I, they still think it's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, it's still a fun game. It just has a problem with info dumps. Yeah, out, mm-hmm. just, just, you know, somebody thinking it outside of anything else with no even reaction to the info dump is not the best way to convey that information. There were a lot of revelation mode stuff that I was just like, I wish this was just in the regular game. Like, this would have been funnier to just keep around. I think um, one thing... Oh, sorry, God. Unless there's, like, more you want to talk about with, like, revelation mode and things like that. uh, No, I don't think... I think we covered the main stuff. Um, I don't know if we covered this. I feel like we covered it post post podcast, um, like about how we felt about the translation in general, right? Because like, I think some people listening have got the sort of impression that it's like the translator did a bad job or wasn't, and I don't think it's like that per se. Like the translators got something wrong with them. It's just more that like they didn't spend the time or money on it. Like I think if they had had a few chances at like another pass of it or what have you, then it probably would have worked out a bit differently. But it felt very like rushed or one pass. It was kind of more to the point. Yeah, I imagine if you're a translator, you're like, all right, I have a billable time period. Here's how long I can work on this. Uh, like you know, I, I I charge this much per hour. How many hours do you want me to work on this? I and all right, I'd really like another pass at this, like to try again and stuff. And it's like we, I'm sorry, this is what we have to ship with, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because so much of translation is is just trying to find in the language a way of conveying what's what's not literally being conveyed. You know, like mm-hmm. the, it's not a one to one ratio, and like that is so much extra work that you know takes a ton of time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't mean to play their bad. I just mean that like the if the, if they're going to if they were going to translate the other games the way they did here with 
clearly a stripped down budget and just sort of like, hey, you just got to turn this thing out the door. It's just, you know, this is all we've got time for or money for. Um, uh, you know, it's not the best way to do that stuff. What I find interesting is that there are some some cases where no matter what you do, it just does not work. You cannot convey what's being conveyed here in another language. You just can't. Yeah, like that wordplay stuff, I'm not sure that would be uh, very easy to do at the very least. I, I, I'm not sure that's true. So in, in the actual, in the literary world, works that seems to be impossible to translate have been translated successfully, very successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, including like do there's like this uh, French novel that the it, it, its its gimmick was that it didn't use the letter E at all in entire novel, and it was translated into English with the same restriction. <laughs> so people with enough time and enough creativity can do these things, no matter what the sure. source is. Uh, it takes a lot. Um, and in a commercial, in a very commercial setting like video games, it's very difficult to do well uh, mm-hmm. if you have a problematic uh, source material. Um, problematic in the sense of like kanji and the things that Raging Loop has. Yeah, like mm-hmm. wordplay um, and stuff like that, where you, you 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 look at it in Japanese and you say, "Oh, what the fuck? How am I supposed to to do this in English? I just can't. It has mm-hmm. too much to do with the actual language." But there are solutions to everything if you are creative enough and you, uh, if you have enough time and dedication, I believe. Yeah. Um, my, uh, so we got a couple of comments on the videos that uh, felt like I was complaining too much about translation and that it's fine. Um, I think that especially in works like visual novels, which are basically literature, it's, it's a bunch of writing. Um, mm-hmm. The standards are too low in the community. Because as long as things are spelled correctly and make sense grammatically, people say that it's fine. Uh, mm. Like a very different game, but Persona 5 had the, the same reactions and the same problems, basically. And Raging Loop really feels like a first draft. Uh, I, I definitely think the translator is very, very, very talented because it is a difficult work to translate and it's a very accurate translation. They didn't make many mistakes. Um, but it does tend to be on the more literal side, which is why it loses a lot of, like, the subtext. Um, mm. Or it some parts of it are, are a little more difficult to understand in English than in Japanese. And I think, like, a good editing pass on it would have made it a lot better. Okay, cool. Well, thank Thanks for that. And that's the kind, that's the kind of thing that I think... It's very difficult to tell if you don't read both versions because things do might seem like just fine in English, but then if you compare them to the source and you see the differences, you see like what the source feels like and what the result feels like, that's the only way you can tell if the source was also bad yeah. or if the translation just makes things worse, even though it seems fine on the surface. Right. I think it's very, it's very difficult to do like uh, localization, um, reviews or uh, criticism without actually also reading the source material which very few people both can do or have the time to do right but that's what visual novel book club is for <laughs> the one guy the one guy who, we're here to critique the random people we don't know 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, it's, it's part of the reason why for for this for this podcast, I do if, if with the the game we were playing is Japanese, I do try to read the original and also read the English version. Yeah, yeah. I w- I would like to see the inverse actually of a Western game that gets translated to Japanese, and how well does that translation go? Mm-hmm. What's what's something in what's something in in American English that would be like too like like this wordplay here where it was like oh my gosh like how are you even going to get that across? A lot of stuff, but actually the, the the game with the best localization that I know is the Japanese version of Undertale, which is also a very difficult game to translate into Japanese. The A four A four did that. Yeah, because of the the slang. And the also... English, the English, and it is very idiomatic, and the humor is very American too. Uh, but uh, for Undertale, just because Toby Fox was very interested in Japanese version, because he was influenced by it, so he actually worked like line by line with the translator to tell the translator exactly what he meant with every line and discussed every single line in the game about how best translated, and the result is is amazing. Well, that's because Toby Fox is friggin' like Johnny Moneybags now, thanks to Undertale. And he can just yeah. afford to sit there and do nothing else but Undertale. And the rest of us have to sit here with our jobs. <laughs> our fish and our book clubs. And these stupid podcasts that we have to do. <laughs> friggin' buck my book clubs. What a cool guy. What a, what cool a nice guy. boy. Uh, he DM'd me once. It's great. Anyway. Oh my god, this fucking cloud chaser! <laughs> <Your> lifetime achievement. <laughs> yeah. Toby Fox DM'd me once. Damn right. You want me to? T- let me look. I'll pull it up right now. Oh my god! Just just finished bitching, and now he's cloud chasing on the podcast. Edit this out. I'll tell you what it is. No, um, do you remember somebody made? <laughs> he's gonna put, tell the know, story Del- like like he's not a cloud chaser. He's just gonna continue to cloud chase live on stream. Oh, here's the best. I didn't even add him or nothing. So, you know. <laughs> Everyone knows who he is, but uh, no one wants to give him any money. That's the slow beef story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. But if you do, it's on Patreon. No, I'm kidding. Um, but let's see. Anyway, I'm really not going to tell the story. So, Raging Loop. Good game. It was fun. It was really, it was really compelling in the beginning. I was really compelled by it. I really enjoyed this. Uh, I I was trying to explain it to my wife earlier today, uh, and I was like explaining all the story beats and stuff like that. And she's like, "This sounds like not a good game." And I was like, "No, that's <laughs> actually great." <laughs> For sure. If you just when, when, in the beginning when we were playing this, and like the description was, "What if what if werewolf but real?" I was like, "Uh," but it, it was really mm-hmm. uh, it was really well done. Just kind of fell apart a little bit at the end with too many too many bad guys, too many references. Too much lore all at once. It, yeah, it felt a little jumbled at the end, yeah. It was still fun to read, though. Yeah, yeah. like there were some genuinely fun moments. Yeah, for sure. It drew me along the whole time, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 And we all learned a little bit more about how to play Werewolf. Maybe we should play a bad <laughs> visual novel once for comparison. Just one just that's like reviled. People keep recommending them to us. I mean. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah people want us to. If we're doing a bad one, we're doing a short bad one. I'm not doing 25 hours yeah, of crap. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, this will be my break yeah, yeah, yeah. season. They'll be like, we're playing Sayano Uta. And I'll be like, later. Uh, nah, we're not doing that. Um. <laughs> well, you'll find out along with us, folks, next season yes, exactly. on Visual Novel Book Club. Mm-hmm. Until season then. Season 10, where we cover 999 appropriate. No, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, until then. <laughs> Until then. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Woof. Ooh. Woof, sheepdog. <laughs>